We are in the middle of a series called Safe Travels, and Safe Travels is one that Frank actually kicked off last week. He did wonderful with that. And uh, the whole uh, idea, right, is uh, Safe Travels is we all know that when you're out driving, uh, isn't it amazing to think that, uh, how many of you can remember back to when you went through Driver's Ed? Anybody remember Driver's Ed? Okay. You remember the books? You remember the horrible videos that they would show you, or at least they did, I don't know, according to what, what, what age you were, like the badly uh, created videos that were just like, you know, if you do this one thing wrong, you will die. You know what I mean? Like that's basically like they just tried to beat that in you, you know? Uh, well, we all know that when we are out and about, when we're driving around, there's some safety, uh, safety devices, some safety items that we come into contact with and interact with all the time, right? There's signs, lights. Uh, the lines, even the lines on the road, I, I don't know, as I get older, my eyes are, are still pretty good, but I won't lie, you get a little bit of foggy or that, like, you know, right around that sunset time, sometimes you're like, okay, Curtis, just watch the line, just keep your eye on the line, you know, don't cross the wrong line. It, 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 how about, uh, we got guardrails, and one of my personal favorites, the rumble strip. Anybody love the rumble strips? Love the rumble strips. Why? Listen, guys, if you did not know this, okay, little, I want to give you a little uh, way to drive your wife's nuts. Okay, this is probably not godly, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, listen, if uh, if you have been traveling for more than 30 minutes, okay, especially if uh, you have a woman in your car, and especially if she has given birth more than once or twice, the chances are better or likely she has to pee. Okay, so if you ever want to like shake things up in the car, okay, hit the rumble strips. The burr, oh my God, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, really, really? You had to, didn't you? You had to. You had to right now, didn't you? And I'm like, so yeah, so the rumble strips are fun. Uh, they're always exciting. And uh, so, yeah, see, that, that just, that brings families closer together. It's just a fun, excitement thing for you to do uh, when you're traveling together. But uh, look, we, we know that when we put all of these things together, right, we, we get a system that is designed to do what? It's to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous areas. And really, if we were to like boil it down to like two words, it's really to direct and protect us, right? It's directing us and protecting us, making sure that we arrive alive. And uh, how many of us would know, like if you recognize, if you've ever been, I know some, some of you in here uh, are from more mountainous regions than the wonderful hills of Delaware that we have, right? But, but you ever get on the mountains and you notice when you get the guardrails on the side of the mountain, like they don't put those like off the edge, do they? Right. They actually like they're like like if you're not careful, like you will tear your car up in a heart because they're like right there. But, you know, what's funny, we don't mind that, do we? Like we don't mind when it comes to the rumble strips, the fact that the rumble strips are like right at the edge of the line, not at the edge of the pavement. Because if they're at the edge of the pavement, you hit them and you still probably go in the ditch, right? You know what I mean? So, so we don't really mind the fact that these things take up space because of the intended purpose, which is to keep us safe so that we can actually arrive alive and so that we can get to where we're going. And, and so th really through this whole series, what we're looking at is the fact that, you know, these safety devices that we experience on the road, these are not the only areas in our lives where we need something to help guard us, to keep us safe. And in fact, I would almost bet today that if you were being honest in a conversation with yourself, that if you had better safety devices built into your life, that you probably wouldn't have had some of the greatest regrets that you've ever had. 
whether the greatest regrets could be, you know, it, the protection that we could have from these, that, you know, against bad financial decisions. You ever made one of those where you're just like, oh, man, can I get a time machine and go backwards? Can we do that over again? Well, uh, morally, how about relationally? Like, how about if, if, you, if you had a time machine to go back, if you had put some better things in place, then maybe you wouldn't have made such what you know now was a really bad, bad decision. And, but the interesting thing that we see is that most of our greatest regrets, most of the things that you look back at and you wish, boy, I wish I had never done that, most of these things actually it could have been avoided if we were willing to add something to our life that was going to direct and protect us. And the incredible thing is, is that's really obviously what God's word is all about. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And, the, you know, the ultimate problem with all of these things, right, is that culture really doesn't care all that much about your direction or your protection, does it? Isn't it funny that as we, we look around and, and, and culture really doesn't want there to be any lines painted on the road. You can kind of do whatever you want, however you want. Because as long as it's good for you, it must be okay. And, and it kind of got me thinking, now, I've lived in Delaware for my whole life, okay? So I remember back in the day when most of us, now, some of you might still live on roads like this. There's not many of them around anymore. But when I grew up, all the back roads, all of them, uh, none, of, they, none of them had lines on them, right? There was never any line. It was just a paved road, right? It was just paved, just a black road. And that was it. There was no lines. There's no side. There, there's no, like, shoulder. We didn't have shoulders. Like, the road was barely big enough for one car uh, to go through, let alone if you had to meet another car and you were both eating, eating some gravel on the side a little bit, right? And, and so when I, I can remember there were times, right, where as I would be driving, especially when I would drive with Amy, and I would just like to be stupid because I like to be stupid sometimes. And I, 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 would, I would just drive on the wrong side of the road on purpose. Like, and she's like, why are you driving on the wrong side of the road? I'm like, there's no lines. There is no wrong side of the road. I can drive wherever I want. I can go to this side, and I can go back to this side, and it's all good and well. You know? And as we're okay as long as there's no other cars that come, right? But, uh, but we know that, that, that that's really, to me, like what kind of culture wants us to experience, that you can kind of just go wherever, baby. Like, it's all good. But the problem is, and, and, and maybe you would experience this too, is that sometimes when we actually mess up, and then when we end up in the ditch, when we end up off the road and stuck and we're issues, it's funny because as much as culture doesn't care about the safety guidelines being there on the road, that they're not going to be the ones that are going to come help you get out either. They're the ones looking at you going, well, boy, that was stupid. Why'd you do that? And isn't it interesting that so often that this happens to us? And, and I, I thought of a couple examples here that I want to give to you. And, and how about this one? How about, I want to ask you if you know, okay, if you've watched uh, sports pretty much at all, you've probably seen some sort of commercial for alcohol, right? Whether it's beer or something harder, right? It doesn't matter. You probably, any sort of sports game or whatever, you've probably seen something. And what is it that we have recently added to the end of every alcohol commercial that I think is pretty hysterical that we add? It's like a little uh, disclaimer, a little tag that we add at the end. They tell you to do what? To drink responsibly. Now, how many of you know that drink responsibly, not really a guideline? 
Like, like uh, you know, well, what, is re- what does that mean? Well, they don't know. They don't care. They just are doing it because they want you to feel like they care about your safety and your well-being, right? Well, how about this? We tell, uh, we tell our teenagers, right, and, and we tell our teenagers about sex. What do we tell them about sex to do? What's culture tell them? Culture says, just wait until you're ready. Wait until you're ready. Now, I, I think I want to give credit. I think it was Pastor Amos, Andy Stanley I heard this from, uh, I, I think, where he said that that is the most woman-created concept ever. And I actually happen to agree with him on this because he said the reason we know a woman created that, he says, was because if you tell a, a, a teenage girl or a teenage boy, wait until you're ready, and the boy says, I've been ready. I was born ready. Like, come on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was ready from day one. Let's go. I said, she walked in the door. I was ready. And, and so that's why it was probably created by a woman because it was like they don't understand how men think. You know what I mean? Because there probably needs to be better guidelines for that, right? So we know that all of these things, you know, w- we talk about consolidating your debt. And on the surface, that sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? We want you to consolidate your debt. But the only problem is, is we never actually talk about, though, how not to get into debt in the beginning to have to consolidate your debt. You know what I mean? We, we, never, we never go through. So we see that culture doesn't really want the guidelines. They don't want the, the lines with the rumble scripts. They don't want the directional signs. They don't want the speed limits to try to tell us because they're okay with kind of doing whatever, but they're not going to be there. They're going to mock us when something bad actually happens. And I think we see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament that there are some very real standards that boundaries that are in there to, to try to design to help us live. And today, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to spend most of today at. So I, I just want to, you know, say as we are looking here, we see Paul in Ephesians 5. And, and, and Paul is really trying to give some direction. Now, P- Paul is really trying to tell the church, uh, the, the church here to say, listen, you've heard me talk about these things, but I'm really going to, like, go into detail to try to remind you about some really important things because if you are not careful, if you not, not allow God to help kind of direct you and steer you on some things, what's going to happen is you're, you're going to end up in a ditch. You're going to end up driving off the cliff and doing the uh, little uh, uh, coyote thing, you know what I mean, on the way down, you know, or uh, I guess that's goofy, you know what I mean, but, but you're gonna, we're going to have these moments, right, where, where this is going to happen to you, and, and so in, in Ephesians 5, he actually is telling us to stay away from immorality and, and to uh, get away from foolish talk, and, and in verse 15, here's where we're going to start. He says, instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be very careful how you live. And, and really, see, he, what he's saying here is be very careful in how you live. And, and really, when we take this word, how you live, we could literally take this and switch it to say to be careful to how you walk. Be careful. It, it translates, how, be careful how you walk. And, and we don't want to walk as unwise, but as what? As wise. You and I both know we want to be wise. But how many of you know, sometimes you've got to be careful where you walk, isn't it? If you've ever had a big dog in a small fenced-in yard, you know all about being careful where you walk, okay? Because they leave you big surprises that you step in and you bring with you everywhere you go. You get in your car and you're like, what is that weird smell? It's me. It's, uh, I, I am that smell now. So, so we, we all know, we know about this. But here's the real question 
that we have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves this question, that in light of my past, right, so the past that I know, and, and, and in light of my present, what I know about myself right now, and also in light of my future to where I would like to end up, my hopes, my dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? And how many, and this is so hard for us to understand, that sometimes the wise thing doesn't always necessarily mean it's the right thing at the time. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. It's hard for us to see that, but what is the wise thing for us to do? In, in verse 16 in Ephesians here, Paul says that, he says that we have to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It blows my mind, and, and this is really not necessarily part of the message, but it blows my mind. Have you ever noticed how as you get older, how fast time moves? Like when you were a kid, summer felt like it was a year long. But now, you blink twice and you've lived a week. And you're like, whoa, where did that happen? Like where did that go? We're in 2022. It, it's amazing to see that Paul is trying to say here, the days are evil. So what do we have to do? We have to make sure that we actually have the time that we have and we have to redeem it and make the very most out of it. We can't afford to be careless. But I, I like some interaction here, okay? How many, I if we could come around and give a ticket, okay, for a do-over? How many of you have a do-over in your life you'd like to, to, to issue? You got a do-over? Anybody got a do-over? The rest of you that don't raise your hands are liars. You're liars lying in church. The altar will be open at the end here. We're going to pray for you. And it's funny that as I was thinking about it, I was like, if I had a ticket for a do-over, there's lots of moments that I could like, it would be hard to narrow down the moment for the do-over moment. Like there's moments in high school where you're just like, that was stupid. But then you get to moments in college and you're like, well, that was stupid too. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like moments, and, and maybe for you, it, it's high school, college. Maybe it's a moment in a marriage or maybe it's an interaction or a time with a family member or with your children that you're just like, man, if I could do that over, if I could go back in time, that's exactly what Paul's saying. Say, Paul says, listen, th there's no time machine made for you, so you have to make the most of every single opportunity that the Lord has given you. It's funny, so if you guys know uh, my, my oldest, Elijah, he's not in the room, so I'm allowed to talk about him today. <laughs> no. But uh, he, he can drive now, uh, and so that's obviously if you're a parent of a person who can drive, of, a, of a, you know, one of your kids can drive, you know it's a little bit nerve-wracking, a little, little scary. Uh, and one of the qualifications, though, that had to happen before he was allowed to go out and drive by himself, he had a, a, a pretty serious list of, like, things that he had to get done, right? And one of them was defensive driving. Like, he had to do defensive driving because he's going to jack up our insurance, so we're going to get the cheapest possible rate. And, of course, he was going through defensive driving, and he was like, this is so stupid. Why, I, I already know this information. Why do we have to go, go through all this? And, and, and maybe you, you've explained to, to somebody else this, uh, like one of your kids this. You, you say, listen, it's not that I don't necessarily trust you, but how many of you know there's other cars on the road? And you got to know what to do when those cars don't know what to do. And they're acting crazy and acting a fool. And that's the same for us. In verse 17, 
of Ephesians, he says, therefore, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And now I know some of you, you read that and you're like, but Pastor Curtis, I don't know what the Lord's will is. I don't know. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And I think the fact is, is that really we got to be careful here because I think we have to kind of stop deceiving ourselves to a certain extent because I think really we know what his will is. The problem is we're unwilling to do what it takes to reach his will. And it's a question of, of where we're going and how to get there. And we're, we're, we're just... We're, we're leading, it, it's, a, it's a one thing leads to another type of situation. You ever had that, that thing where, where when you do one thing, you know, automatically it leads to the second situation. And it starts a, tr- a chain reaction of things. And, and Paul is trying to, to kind of draw some attention to this. In fact, what he says in verse 18 is that, he says, don't get drunk with wine. Now, we read this today, and we have a totally different concept of what this means, Okay. Because we think, like, you can go to any, any store to buy alcohol. Uh, in fact, I- if you uh, grew up in another state not from Delaware, uh, my kids get tripped out anytime they go somewhere. And when the grocery stores are selling alcohol, they're just like, this is weird, right? Like, and I'm like, it's just because you're from Delaware. You've lived a sheltered life. You know what I mean? They put it in a different store. But it's, you know, just, it's okay. But, but we know, right? We know that you can kind of get it anywhere. But, but see, here's the problem that in, in Paul's time, especially in Jesus' time, in this, this era of the world, right, this culture, wine was actually safer to drink than water. See, wine could get you drunk, but water, if you're not careful, would kill you. Like, so, so we see here that it's hard for us to necessarily understand, but, but here's what Paul is trying to, to like really underline and highlight here. Is he says that he doesn't want, he says you shouldn't be drunk on wine because guess what happens when we are, it leads to things, doesn't it? In fact, in fact, if I was to, to say, you know, if you get drunk, it can lead to and leave a blank, all of you could fill in that gap like, like that, like it would be so, so fast. Like, and isn't it, isn't it amazing that maybe you, Maybe people that you know, maybe the interactions that you've had have been influenced by the fact that even though for biblically there's a guardrail there, there's something to direct us, right? But we ignore that, and then in turn we've had issues with your parents, maybe a DUI, maybe, the, maybe some bad relationship stuff that has come out because guess what? There was a guardrail put up there, and we chose to ignore it. And it's interesting to see that drinking as the guardrail, and, and, and I'm, I'm not just trying to highlight drinking because th- this is really beyond, it's really beyond just, just drinking. Like this is just one thing that, he's, he, that Paul's trying to highlight here. But w- we see that, that, that drunk is the guardrail, and we have to realize that if we're not careful, if we're not careful that you cross it, which leads to abuse, which leads to I can't quit, which leads to all sorts of issues down the road, but society doesn't make it easy, does it? Do they? Because there's always a happy hour. Because when you look at it, every movie and sitcom that you'll ever watch, what do they do? It's always it's just ah ha ha. They, they were so funny. They did something stupid. You know, we've like like got whole genres of movies that are made that are literally called 
drunk comedies that we co- come out of this. So, so we see that it's, it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. But, but here's what Paul tries to say. He says, he actually goes on in that verse there, in verse 18. He says, don't get drunk with wine because it leads to debauchery. Now, I bet you debauchery is not a word you use very often. Uh, it's not a very popular word. It's not one that, in fact, maybe that could be your assignment for this week. Maybe try to find a good way to insert debauchery into a conversation this week and see. Tell me how it goes. You're going to get some looks. I guarantee it. Uh, but, but he says, which leads to debauchery, which basically is self-indulgence or the lack of self-control. But instead, what are we to do? We are to be filled with the Spirit. And I know, listen, because I grew up in church, and I've grown up in a plethora of eras that went from the, like, don't do anything at all, sit in a corner and be a good Christian, to, oh, you can kind of do what you want. And so some of you are probably saying, Pastor Curtis, this sounds like this is kind of limiting to my lifestyle, to what you're telling me, that this is something that God is, is, is wanting me to do. And, and here's the thing, as we say that, yes, God is trying to safeguard you because here's the fact of the matter is we all know that when you get into your car, you got to have the keys or the key fob. How about, I don't know if you all love it. I have a love-hate relationship with the button start cars because it's weird because you get in. You're like, do we have the keys? I don't know. Try to let's start the car and see if, it's on, see if it comes on. I don't know. But we all know, right, that we have the key or the key fob that when we get in our car, that's going to start the engine. See, what, what, what's happening here is, is God is saying, listen, when you get in, who are you handing the keys to? Because something is going to help steer you and direct you. What is it going to be? And he says that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to safeguard you from handing control of your lives over to someone or something else. It's interesting. I, I love the verse in Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 6.12. 1 Corinthians 6.12 actually says, that I have the right to do anything. Now, see, y'all want to be quiet right now, but you're like, amen. Yes, I do. Come on, Pastor Curtis. Let's preach on I have the right to do anything. Yeah, right? We all know, right? I have the right to do anything. And in fact, here's what I, I'd even tell you as you gather here today, as you're watching online. Here's what I would want to encourage you to tell you. Listen, if you uh, are trying to find out where Jesus is in your life, like if you are not a Jesus follower, that guess what? You can ignore all the stuff I have to say. This is just basic. I mean, you can use it or lose it, right? But now here's the problem. If you do follow Jesus, then guess what? If our goal is to be like him, then we need to take this stuff pretty seriously. And, and, and listen, he says in, in Corinthians that I have the right to do anything. That's what you and I love to say. We're living in America. We got freedom. We can put a flag on our truck and we can park crooked in the wrong thing and we can we can, we can go in the out. How about that? Yeah, I don't care what that says. That says out only, I'm going in it. I don't care. This is America. I live the way I want to live, on it. I can do anything. But what I love here is, guess what he says? He says not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but guess what he says? He says that I will not be mastered by anything. I'm not going to be mastered by alcohol. I'm not going to be mastered by the drug. I'm not going to be mastered by the relationship. I'm not going to be mastered by the food that I have to consume in order to feel good about myself. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. 
So instead of greed, instead of the affair, instead of alcohol, instead of the other stuff that we love to fill our lives with, he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Isn't it amazing? I've never once, I've known people that have gotten into car accidents, and you probably do too. I have never once met anybody who got into a car accident that planned to. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? You never say no to anybody who gets in the car and be like, you know what? Today, I'm going to go into a telephone pole. It's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be wild. Right? And isn't it funny that we know no one who purposely goes out and wrecks their life or to wreck their car, but we know plenty of people because they didn't put guardrails in their life, have wrecked their life, and have tried to figure out how to come back from it. So what's the goal then? What's the goal? It's going to sound way too simple. The goal for us, I think, has to be to move away from things that harm us and move towards the one that loves us. That sounds so easy, but it's so hard. It is so hard. I told you I was going to tell you a story about why, uh, TJ, if you want to come up, I was going to tell you a story about why you don't want my animals here to the petting zoo uh, for Easter. It's because I have a horse. I, I have a horse, and I have a horse named Bunny. I know it's weird. I don't know why. I, I, no, I don't have any goats named Dog or anything like that, and I don't have a dog named Cow. You know, it's just weird. We have a horse named Bunny, and... Uh, me and Bunny don't always get along. And here's what I know about Bunny. Here's what I know also about your life. See, one thing about Bunny is Bunny's pretty big, especially by horse standards. She's, she's, she's large and she's in charge. And here's what I know it, is that I know, just like you, when I try in life to go up and to approach life nonchalantly, if you're not careful, it's going to hurt you. Because if you've ever been around horses, there's a general rule of thumb that when you, you always want to approach a horse from the front, if you can, you always want to be around its head, and you never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever want to try to approach a horse from the backside. Because you won't be standing very long, most likely. So there was a story of, uh, this has been a couple years, I think, and uh, I uh, was deciding, I was going out to feed them, feed the animals or something like that, and, and so Bunny, uh, again, me and her, we've got kind of a contentious relationship, to say the least. She's not the biggest fan of me, I'm not the biggest fan of her, it's okay. We try to coexist together. But on this day, as I go out to her, you know what the interesting thing is? Is I was trying to kind of approach her from the, like, to the front, from the side there. And in an instant, because I wasn't necessarily paying a whole lot of attention because I didn't think this would ever happen, she turns. And I had just enough room, just enough time to do like a, like, kind of like a twist and like get out of the way. I didn't get out of the way quick enough. She kicked me in the back, right above the hip. And let me tell you, friends, I've been through some pain 
but I ain't never quite been through the pain like being kicked by a horse. Needless to say that I had to crawl, yes, crawl like a toddler, out of the pasture, into the house, trying to get a hold of my phone to tell my wife that I loved her before I died. <laughs> That's about what it felt like. I get into the house and I call her and she, she comes home and by then I'm starting to feel like, you know, I can somewhat almost stand up. And it gets to the point to where I'm just like, woo. Now how many of you know that I, I, I love animals, I love them, I love animals. I'd have all sorts more animals if I could talk my family into doing it. But you know, at that moment, I did not have much love for a horse named Bunny. It's funny, isn't it? That happens to us in life. We try in life to go up and act nonchalantly. We think we're going to live, and we have, maybe you go through high school and college, and we have the big plans of what's going to happen in our lives. But the next thing we know is something happens, and it turns around, and it kicks us so hard, and we get mad. We get angry at people, at the boss, at family members, at the financial situation that somebody else put us in, so we're, we're, and we just get frustrated and angry with the whole world. Because the simple fact of the matter is, is we know that there's some guidelines that are there. We just kind of don't accept book of Psalm, it says this, Psalm 76, 28. It says, but for me, it is good to be near God. That I have made the Lord God my refuge. And I do this so that I can tell of all your work. I know today that there are some people that as I started, you wanted to so badly to block me out because today's message, scripture, it, it might just steered a little too close to home. I get that. In fact, there's almost not a day goes by that I don't read some sort of scripture that I'm like, I don't like that. That doesn't feel very good. But here's what I know. I know that what is written in this book is not intended to harm me, and it's not intended to limit me. Its ultimate desire is for me to arrive to my destination alive. Listen, if you today have gathered this morning as you're here in person or if you've gathered online, there's just, you feel like there is something from keeping you from taking this next step. Before we receive communion, I, I, I want to offer you the, the chance to pray and to turn that over to God. And listen, today, if you've never taken the opportunity to ask God 
confess Jesus to be your Savior, I want to let you know that that is the only reason that I got up this morning. You didn't know it, but before you woke up this morning, I was awake and praying for you. So I just want to ask if you would, would you just close your eyes and listen, if there's anyone in this place, anyone in this room, and you just say, Pastor Curtis, I think I want to try to live for Christ for real this time. Like I've kind of been playing around with it before, driving all over the road, but I want to be real about this. Listen, if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I just want to ask you to slip up your hand so I, I know who to pray for. want to ask this. If you have been serving God, maybe for a little bit of time or maybe for a long time, but you have chosen to ignore some of the basic road signs, some of the basic safety protocols, and you, you just feel like you're kind of faking it, you're phoning it in, I want to pray for you today as well. And if you would, listen, just again, slip your hand up just so we know who to pray for, how to pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I just want to lift up your sons and your daughters today. I just want to ask, Father God, that you, that you would let each person in this room and each person watching online right now, Father, that you love them so very much. And you love them so much, Father God, that you allowed your son to come to live and to die for us. Listen, if today you want to turn your life over to Christ for the very first time, or maybe it's for the you know, 300th time, it's simple. There's no magic words or formulas that have to be prayed. You just simply say, Jesus, I repent of my sin, and I want to turn my life over to you. Father God, I know I've been all over the road before. But Lord, I know that you have some loving protection that you want to offer me. So Lord, like it says in Psalms, that you can be my refuge. You can be the place in storms and trouble where I come to seek shelter. And that Lord, at the end of my days, I can tell you that you're Today we receive this wafer, which represents the body of Christ. And as we have this wafer, we just want to take a second, and I want to encourage you to do this in your own words, to just encourage in your own words and give thanks to God. Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the body that this wafer represents, Father. Lord, we know that he did not have to step out of heaven. He did not have to be born of a man. He did not have to live the life that he did. But Father God, we are so grateful today that he lived, he taught, he went, and he died. Father, today we give you thanks for the body of your son, Jesus Christ. That he was broken for me. We now receive this element. 
that represents the blood. And it is not for the blood. Lord God, there, there is no me and you together. There is no sonship, no daughtership. There is no adoption into the family of Christ for me. So Father, today I give you thanks for the fact that blood was shed for me to cover up all the screw-ups, the mistakes, all the sins, all the lies, all the things that I did that I knew I shouldn't have and the things that I did and I didn't know. Father, and I am so thankful, brother, for the fact that it is through this blood that you have called us sons and daughters. We give you praise.